Pulse on Creative podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Well, Happy New Year. It's Rich Langton here, your host of the Hillsong Creative Podcast, and I can't believe that it's 2020, the year 2020. Unbelievable. But here we are. It's a new year, and I'm sure God has great things for you and for your creativity, for your faith, for your team, for your life this year. So we are excited to be with you on the journey, and thanks for joining us. I'm always glad when we get to record the podcast, when we get to speak to you guys who listen. I'm really excited about 2020. I think that it's going to be a great year. So with that in mind, for this episode, we thought we would bring you a masterclass that Cass and I did at the Worship and Creative Conference back in October here in Sydney. Each year we have the Worship and Creative Conference. It's an amazing time. You will have heard me talk about that before. If you're new here, in the future episodes, we're going to bring you some of the content from the conference. So look forward to that. Um, Make sure you subscribe so you can catch that. But as I was saying, in today's episode, we're bringing you the leadership reboot that Cass and I did. It was an immersive session, which was really fun. And essentially the whole concept of what we're about to bring you is that in leadership, sometimes it's not just enough to stop for a while and take a rest. Sometimes we actually have to restart or recalibrate the settings of our leadership, the settings of our life in order to get where God would have us go. A few years back, Cass, she hadn't restarted her computer for, I I actually don't remember the exact number, but it was something like 527 days. Um, So over a year, she hadn't restarted her computer. And so instead of just being able to restart it at that point, all of the settings, everything needed to be completely reset up and rebooted. And I think our lives can be like that. Sometimes we've got to take a look at the way we're approaching things, take a look at ourselves and maybe make some changes, maybe reassess, recalibrate uh, our thinking so that we can then move forward and be all we, all we need to be. And um, so in this session, we ask a whole bunch of questions and I hope that we lead you in, a, in the right direction. But really, it's a, it's a self-assessing kind of time. And so as we jump into it, my prayer is that you would take the time on this January 1st, you know, it's a brand new year, take the time to just recalibrate, reset, answer these questions for yourself and be honest with yourself as you do that. And I know that as you do that, it'll catapult you into this year and it will really refresh and reboot your leadership. We created a PDF that goes along with this session. So if you'd like to grab that and follow along as you listen to the podcast, you can do that by just swiping up and grabbing it from the show notes. So let's jump into it and I'll talk to you again at the end. This is going to be so much fun. Hey, leadership is, is not easy, right? It's a journey and it's up and ups and downs. And sometimes I think that um, with, with leadership and particularly creative leadership, sometimes we get so caught up in the doing of everything, you know, in getting it done, particularly in church with, you know, deadlines of Sundays that seem to just roll every week, you know. For whatever reason, there's a Sunday next week and then there's one after that. And then sometimes there's Easter and Christmas and... Conferences, Sunday Night Lives, Easter, uh, all sorts of things. Stuff. Things next Generation Showcases. Yes. And, and so sometimes I think what we need to do is not just stop and take a rest and then get on with it again. We need to actually hit the reboot button and, and kind of start again. I think of Peter 
when he was denying Jesus. Obviously, he needed a reboot at that point in time because he'd gotten to the point where he's following Jesus around. He's doing the whole thing for three years and then he gets to the point where he's crazily denying Jesus right at the time where he should be standing with him. And, and that obviously wasn't what his thinking should have been or wanted it to be. So when it comes to reboots, it's a bit like Cass's phone or computer. And, uh, Don't tell this story. <laughs> well, you can tell it. Okay, real quick. So Cass is great with technology and uh, her computer wasn't working that great. And so I said, well, look, maybe you should um, take it to IT or get it fixed or whatever. They, um, long story short, take it. And uh, it hasn't been restarted for 200, 500, a lot of days. Like, like 300 and something days. Or like I got the record for the last, uh, longest length of time that nobody shut their computer down for. That's good, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's great if you want it not to work, but our leadership is the same. I think sometimes we need to take stock, take a few minutes, maybe rethink some stuff and, and kind of like get back to some settings that maybe are a bit better than the ones we're currently working with because maybe they're a bit jumbled. So recently, I, um, I am a nerd. I bought a textbook on leadership because I thought like there's a lot of like hearsay, but what do universities teach on leadership? And, and they actually teach that it's a process. And so I thought I would share with you our slash my definition of leadership or creative leadership, which you've got on your handout there, but it's Hey, sorry to interrupt, but just wanted to let you know that we have a really helpful PDF, the one that we talked about just now. It's in the show notes. So if you swipe up, you can grab it there. Creative leadership is the process of creatively inspiring other creative individuals to join with you on a journey to a specific destination. It really helped me to write down what it is I'm trying to do. And I don't think that there's this destination that we get to where we go, oh, now I'm leading and they're following because like it just, life doesn't work like that because it's, it's, if you're not going somewhere, then there's no one to follow. It's like a tea party. It's not, it's not leadership, you know, hanging out together, but it's, you're not, if you're not going anywhere. And, and the reality is that it's not just done. Um, it's constantly tweaking and shaping and moving. Okay, so... I think that part of this whole thing is, um, is about thinking through what success is. Because I think sometimes our view of success when it comes to creative leadership can be skewed. Sometimes we think that success might be yeah, getting it done. It might be maybe something like a gold record, you know, doing an album and, and getting that or getting, getting a Grammy. <laughs> or it, success might be some sort of measure that is external and may, perhaps maybe doesn't actually reflect a gospel picture of what it is we're trying to do. I don't know about you, but I can so easily want those sorts of things, those success things that I can go, yeah, I did that. We got it done. Tick, that was awesome. And I think maybe... Success is slightly different. In Ephesians 2, in the NIV, it says, um, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Yep. I wanna talk about that a little bit. That verse, the word for God's handiwork actually means God's poem. 
It means where his poem, where his creativity, where what he has actually dreamt about and imagined. And so when it says that, the Bible talks about when God speaks, He speaks things into being. So as leadership and as leaders, we're actually meant to be the type of people who are speaking things into being and calling out the best in things. There is nothing simple about leadership and you're gonna need a whole lot of different pieces in your toolkit if you're gonna be able to navigate building an effective creative team or leading anything in life. And the truth is, is that often what happens is there's a piece or two missing in your kit and you don't see the full picture because you actually don't have everything that you need within yourself to do the job that's at hand. And I think part of this leadership reboot is to actually stop for a second and take an assessment of who you are and where you're at and what you're doing. I remember when I came into creative or started leading maybe, I wanna say maybe 12 years ago, 14 years ago, literally everything that we had wasn't functioning. It was jarring at every turn. So. We couldn't, like we didn't have a process for writing songs. We couldn't actually work out how to roster properly. We just had all these people who had been around for so long and they were all really faithful and really great and wanting to do their very best. But so many of them didn't have the pieces of the puzzle to create the picture that we were looking for as a church. Problem was, I think we had spent so much time, Darlene had led the team and then Phil Dooley had led the team. Everybody had had a go and the picture had become really murky of what it was we were actually asked to achieve and trying to achieve that we had to stop. And we literally, as a department, stopped for a minute. We did a full audit of everything that was going on. And then we tried to paint the puzzle piece and we went, okay, we're obviously missing some pieces and now we need to stop and have a look. And to be honest, our people were missing pieces of the puzzle in order to be the type of leaders that we needed them to be. Yeah, that's really good. So the reality is, you know, in the Scripture that Cass was reading that it talks about um, doing good works and... And I think that's really what it means to be successful, is if God's prepared good works in advance for us to do, then maybe, just maybe, if we're getting about doing those things, then we're being successful. And maybe the, the things that we would call successful aren't success. So I like to make the distinction between perhaps success being the things that catch your eye, the shiny, bright things that, that are awesome, but they're the nice to haves maybe, versus being effective, which is maybe doing the good works. And in that, like Cass is saying, we need the right pieces of the puzzle, both personally and within our teams. The reality is, I don't know <laughs> if she's going to say something journey. profound. Can I, like, yeah. That leadership's a journey. And so there's no overnight successes. And I think you all have to cut yourself a little bit of slack and we have to cut our team slack and go, we are actually on a journey towards a destination. And I think I end every meeting with our team going, we will get there, won't we? (laughs) And literally we all laugh because you're like, well, where are we trying to get? Well, we'll get there, but we're not there yet. And we all know that we're not there yet, but we're all committed to actually stepping this out piece by piece. So we're in it for the long term and we give ourselves some slack that Nobody is developed overnight. Nobody comes ready-made. You're not ready-made. And so there's going to be a journey and a process and time and some commitment. Yeah, great. Having said that and, and setting a little bit of a foundation, there's seven questions that we want to put to you. And, and I think we believe that they're really, really essential questions um, to answer in order to be the most effective. We can all have a level of effectiveness just going about doing what we're doing. But if we want to achieve the good things that God has for us and do them all at a high level, 
be most effective, then we probably have to reboot in these seven areas. And like I guess we've already said, but, but I think some of you will excel in some of them. You're about to go, yeah, that is completely me. And others, you go, yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta reboot that. And um, I, as I work through this myself, I can see where I need to do some work. And so I guess we're not here to tell you the answers per se. We can give you some guidance on what we think is some good ways to go. But it's really a soul searching exercise and a bit of effort to go, hmm, you know, I, I probably have to look in the mirror, I probably have to get some advice, probably have to do some work in order to get some proper answers to these questions. But the first question is... Okay, ready? First question is, who are you? Like, who are you? The question is, oh, okay, how about this first? Who can touch their nose with their tongue? Hands. No, do it no, now. Do it, it, do it. I want to see it too. Can anybody do it? Yeah, yeah, that'll count. Guys, you don't look, who can do it? Hands up. Who can't do it? You guys are crazy. Shut up, is that actually true? <laughs> We're awesome, guys. <laughs> Great. That's strange. Why are we doing this? Okay, we're doing it because there's just innate things that everybody has. There's things that you have within you that are unique to you and you, you can't change them. There's just some stuff that you naturally do. And I think as a leader, you have to get comfortable with your uniqueness. I, I think it was Pastor Brian last night talked about comparison and comparison is a thief of leadership. And if you actually want to lead well, you're going to have to learn how do you lead? What is comfortable to you? What is natural to you? What do you do well? And how are you going to do what comes naturally to you better? So in the research, it turns out that there's five qualities that keep coming up when you think of great leaders. And I looked at this list. I mean, I think they're on the sheet maybe, but when I read the list, I don't have some of those. And so therefore, I'll have to work harder in some other areas and maybe grab some team members who do possess those areas if I'm gonna have all the pieces of the puzzle. So the areas are intelligence. I've got that one. Confidence, charisma, determination, sociability, integrity. If you look at great world leaders, the Steve Jobs of this world, the famous people who've done world-changing things, people like Oprah, many of them have these five traits. They won't all have them to the same degree, but they'll have them and they're innate. And in this whole innateness, there's this theory called the great man theory, which is this theory of leadership which says that people are just born leaders. And I think that what we can do as Christians is, is we can lower our thinking to go, oh, I don't have some of those. I must not be a, a great man or woman. I must not be able to do this thing. But the fact is that I believe through the Holy Spirit, through working on this stuff, through, who, through teamwork and through building um, our community, we can overcome some of these innate qualities that perhaps we don't have. But it starts with being humble enough to go, do you know what? I'm not as charismatic as the next person. I'm, I'm maybe not as intelligent. I'm gonna have to work on that area or get people in that area to join me. And I would say as creatives, potentially, we're not that self-aware. Like some of you might be very self-aware. Most of the team that I work with, 
actually would have no idea what their top strengths are what they're actually really good at, what makes them tick. And so a little while back, we started a process of doing strength finders with our team. And we started to go, okay, we did Myers-Briggs, we did a few personality tests and went, let's actually work out if we can work out as individuals who we are, what makes us tick and how we think about things. It was one of the most insightful things that we did as a team. And the aha moments in the room as everybody started to understand who they were and what they're about was actually mind-blowing. So our team often get frustrated with me because I'm like, we should get Dave Andrew, guy who spoke today, we should get Dave Andrew to do this. And we should do this and we need to get that person and we need to, when I did Strength Finders, one of my top strengths was Includer. And our whole team went, oh. And I went, they go, you always think there should be more people involved, more people, we don't need more people, we want excellence. But that was because some of their strengths actually lent to that side of things rather than where I lent. And so we all had to actually give and take a little bit and go, okay, we understand that that's how you think. This is how I think. How are we gonna put this puzzle together so we can become a really great team? But the truth was things that people found out about themselves they didn't necessarily like. And it wasn't necessarily like some of our team have top strengths that aren't, Um, necessarily prone to leadership. And so they've had to go, okay, I can't play to these strengths, but I can play to these things in my hand and I'm gonna need to learn how to develop that. And so some of this stuff is as soon as you can start to work out who you are and what makes you tick and, and why you think the way you do and, oh, I'm like that, not making excuses for yourself, but actually using it as a starting point for growth, it's a really good tool. Yeah. And I don't know how many of you were in... Um the previous session with the Life Church team, but they did a, a great session that you should probably get and have a listen to because it speaks to this. It speaks to the innate qualities, I guess, the leanings that we have and, and, and the life cycle of our teams because at different points in a team's growth, in a team's development, the different strengths come, come to the fore and they're really important. You know, you need an ideas person, an entrepreneur right at the start to have that great crazy idea for Genesis week session or whatever it is, but then you need someone to actually make it happen. And so you can see when you think about the different aspects of a project or of team life and church life, you can see where the different innate qualities can actually benefit a team if we're working together. Alrighty, so you need to know who you are what those innate qualities are. Okay, now the next one. How do you think? <laughs> How do you think? In other words, what is your leadership philosophy? And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a Christian family and in our family, we didn't like philosophy. We like theology. But the reality is, philosophy is just a study of the proper behaviour and a search for wisdom. When we think about it that way, what's our philosophy when it comes to Leadership, how do we think about people? Okay, show of hands. What's your natural way of thinking when it comes to your team? I'm gonna ask you some questions. If you're online and at home, you can respond in the chat, let us know. Okay, do you believe people are generally in your team? Number one, do you believe people are generally unmotivated and lazy? Or two, do you believe that they are motivated and are able to work independently? Or three, do you think people will figure it out? Let them do what they want to do. Number one, who thinks people are, are a bit lazy sometimes? I love you guys. <laughs> I see that hand. 
Not many people, that's interesting. Okay, uh, do you believe that people are motivated and they're able to work independently given the right direction? Okay, wishy-washy people. Oh, we're really nice. <laughs> Joking. They're the best leaders in the room. Okay, who believes that people will just figure it out? It'll be fine, they got this. Yeah, let them do what they wanna do. Okay, statements like those, they help us to understand how we think and, and in a group setting like this, it's, it's sometimes hard to go, yeah, I think that. But, but if you go away and think about it, actually, how do you in real life approach people? Because my natural approach is quite different to Cass's. My natural approach is let's just tell them what to do, give them a list and tell them when to get it done by. And, and I think that if I don't follow them up, they're probably not gonna get it done. And reality is that's not even true. It's just that for whatever reason, the preconceived idea that I have about people. In my family, my dad, he was the head of the household. And so what he said, and my kids are going, yeah, like you, Dad. Um, <laughs> what he said, that, that, was, that was law. And so he, I think, put into me this thinking, I think, that we need to direct people. We need to be strong with people. We need to make sure that they get it done and they know what to do and, and yes, these very tight frameworks, whereas Cass's approach would be? I'm much more inclined to think people are motivated, they're good, they wanna do a great job, they wanna help us, they're committed to getting it done. And I'll be proved wrong sometimes, but mainly I'll be right. Like I feel like I would say, <laughs> I get what I expect and I think our team are phenomenal and amazing. And so I treat them, I think, like, I hope I trust them to get the job done. Yeah. And so I would much rather have a team of people around a table and together we would work out a way forward. And so for me, with some of our guys, it's been a really interesting thing because they're like rich. And so we'll often get into these leadership conversations. They will tell you what to do. I'm like, no, no, I didn't bring you here to tell me what to do. I brought you here because I actually want you to be involved in the decision-making process. And like, oh, because you can't make a good decision. I'm like, no, because I can make the decision myself. I just want us together to find a better way forward. Because I feel like if we can do that, we're all gonna be in on this. If you buy in, if this worship conference isn't just ours, but it's ours, this is fun. Yeah. If you can find a way to contribute meaningfully, if you can own this thing, if you can buy in and get involved, I love it. I'm happier, you're happier, we're loving this. Yeah. Rich is not happier. <laughs> Truth is though, like no one is completely one thing or the other. And sometimes there's different, different situations that call for different approaches. So back in a few years ago, we were having meetings and, and I, I would be so frustrated because my thing is just tell us what you wanna do, Cass. And she'd be like, ah, oh, so great, thinking that we'd made a decision. And, and in the end, I had to go, Cass, just hashtag directive, what is it? You know, give us a hashtag directive. And, and in that instance, that helped her to be perhaps more authoritarian, less democratic, but that was what we needed at that point in time. And so I think that while we might have an, an actual a leaning towards authoritarian or maybe democratic or maybe laissez-faire, just whatever happens, the reality is the democratic kind of leadership is probably the most effective in most situations to get consensus, to get people on board. But sometimes there's, there's need for a strong lead, you know, this is what we're doing, a, a decision. And sometimes it's also good to let people figure it out. You know, some, sometimes it's just good to let people feel the weight of having to figure it out. And so the, the thing is here, how do, you, how do you naturally think? And is that helping you be effective or not? 
Because you have to work out how you're approaching your team, how they perceive you. So the challenge is sometimes democratic is seen as weak. So if you are the biggest includer in the world and you want to be around your table, they think you're weak. But if you are too authoritarian, they will think you're really harsh. And so that then monitors how we're communicating with your team. So if you know, I know now, my natural propensity is to want this sort of consensus, I have to take the lead. His natural way is to go in hardcore and guns blazing. He has to soften. No, it's, and it's true. That doesn't look like, I feel like Cass is dramatising this. Yeah. I'm a nice guy, Cass. I live with you. Right. <laughs> you live with me. <laughs> it's actually great. Anyway, but I think if you are firstly self-aware, you know what your strengths are. Secondly, you know how you think and how you're approaching things. Suddenly you're building this picture of what type of leader am I when it comes to my team? How am I perceived and what damage am I doing or where am I going to actually cause the biggest impact and help them? Which then lets you move on to the third question, which is what are you about? Here's what I want you to imagine. We're having a party. What is the first thing that you do? Yell out, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're welcome. Buy food. You're going to buy food. Oh, hold on. Okay. Buy food. Set the table. Invite the people. Clean. Clean the house. No, they're buying food. No, cleaning house. Okay. Here's the deal. Who's inviting people first and foremost? Who's buying food, getting the house set up, organising the logistics, thinking through the date, the weather, checking what's like, checking all those things. Right. So there are two ways apparently that you work out what you're about. There are two major things when it comes to leadership. There are people or there's tasks. Right? Hands up if you would say that you are a people person first and foremost. Hands up if you would say you are a task person first and foremost. Loud and proud. Sorry. <laughs> if you have a balloon, we probably need to throw it in the air or something because that would be fun for the people who are joining us at home. Oh, yeah. Party in the chapel. Oh, yeah, they got up the top. You guys are awesome. So I guess it would come as a surprise to you that in our world, I'm the people guy and Rich is the task guy. What's interesting about this is we started talking about this at home in our preparation and, and it's really easy to go, uh, I'm the people person like Cass just did and you're the task person or I get stuff done. I get done. things done too. <laughs> I, I get stuff done and you're just about the people. And the reality is no one, hopefully in our teams, in our churches are all about just the one thing anyway. But, so we'll be on a spectrum, but the reality is it, Jesus and the church, we're, it, it's about the people. Anything that we're doing in reality is about the people and it's with the people that we get it done. And so there's this beautiful kind of marriage of, of the people with the task or the task with the people. And I think that if our natural leaning is, is one or the other, then we both have to head towards the marriage. We both have to head towards the centre and actually adjust our approach or perhaps bring our approach and offer it rather than just sticking in my lane. No, 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 I don't do people. Or no, 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 I, I'm a people person. I don't do tasks. Like get someone else to do that. Get the admin person, you know. The, the reality is as a leader, there'll be times when you need to be both. And so we, we've got to be 
actually asking ourselves, what's my natural tendency? Where do I lean? Because I'm gonna have to adjust to the other way because there'll be people in your team that just don't, they won't get you. They won't understand you because they're not like you. Which is where the beauty of the Bible comes into play. It says that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so it's pretty obvious that our job as leaders is actually to make way for other people to actually contribute to the tasks. We have a great girl in our team in Brisbane who's called Kim. And she's on our stage management team. Her job is to actually like get the stage ready and do sort of stuff. All as part of that job, she gets teas for people that are on stage, like hot lemon and honey for their voices or whatever. In her head, because it's not just a task, it's about the people, she's actually taken it on herself to use a Sharpie and write on the top of everybody's cups by name and then write an encouragement to them. So as she's doing the task, she's thinking about the people. And I think that's such a beautiful picture for us as to what we're meant to be about. So when you get into the task of things, you've got to keep saying, well, where is that person and why are they missing and how come they're not here and what am I going to do to involve them and bring them back and how am I actually going to be a shepherd who's caring for the sheep, doing the tasks of it, but always looking out for the ones? Because I think in leadership, that's the stuff that is going to define us and set us apart. If you get a whole lot of stuff done, but there's a train wreck of people behind you, you've got to start asking whether you are actually doing the right things and whether we're back to that success versus effectiveness measure. Because if, like, you will know it, there are people in our teams and all there is is carnage behind them. And it's because often they're so focused on the task that they actually don't make allowances for the people. And the reality is that people, you know, as we go through these questions, people might tend to be, task-oriented, and they might also have the, the um, thinking that people need to be told. And so if you're a person that's like that, then, then people are like, I don't want to be on your team because you're just about getting me to do stuff and you don't actually care. You're just a dictator. And that's not, you know, that's not the church. But we can inadvertently be like that without even realising. And so it helps to answer the questions. Which, to be honest with you, some of these questions, you can answer them yourself and then you're going to have to ask a really good friend. Like, am I actually what I think I am? Because part of like, my growth as a leader has come from his honesty with me. Going, I know you think it's really good to be all about the people, but when you're all about the people, this is what it actually means to the people. The tasks aren't getting done. The systems aren't getting built. The stuff that actually helps them is left to the background because you think that this is the most important. And you've got to change, Cass, if we're going to do this. And it's hurtful at the time, but it's actually really helpful. And I would say in terms of your own leadership, the best thing that you can do is actually get some people in your life who are prepared to be honest with you. We'll get right back to the episode, brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, which happens in Sydney, Australia. Come be a part of everything happening on site, like the exclusive collabs with practical training from our key Hillsong team. The conference has limited spaces, so if you can't make it to Sydney this year, why not join the online conference experience so you don't miss a moment of the main sessions? Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode. The next question is, what can you do? Do you have the needed leadership skills? Does anybody know how to juggle? Not you, because you're my son. (laughs) Anybody else? There's no jugglers in the room? Tom, you're up. I don't believe you. Really? 
Okay. Give us a go, Tom. This is our son, Tom. Welcome to the platform. I'm glad he came to this session because we would be stuck otherwise. Three, two, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, smarty pants. <laughs> okay, so yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Uh, should he try? Somebody else want to have a go? All right, please. Like, I'm going to. All right, if you break anything, we'll be in trouble. One moment, please. Don't hit the monitor. <laughs> Three, two. Oh, he's doing it. <laughs> That's kind of funny because that is our son slash my son. <laughs> yeah. Our son. When, um, I, can't do it, do it. I can't do it. I, I haven't done it for years. Um, here we go. Oh. 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 No, I can't do it. Okay, so, so um, one Christmas many moons ago, I got juggling clubs for Christmas. Uh, and um, it was right when we first got married. So I'm in the house juggling. And I, and I forgot that... This beautiful and I was wondering what I married. <laughs> you got to know who you are, right? Um, so the beautiful set of crockery is right, right here, the plates and dishes that we got for our wedding. And so I'm juggling. Well, I thought I was juggling it. One lands on the plate and it just went, kunk. And I'm like, oh. And then I didn't touch the um, juggling clubs for quite some time because I had to own up to Cass that I broke our brand new plates. Anyways, bygones. She's forgiven me. There was no point to that story. That was just that I broke the plates. That was bad. I guess the lesson is that um, there's skills, leadership skills that you actually have to practice, that you need to learn. And I don't know about you, but I don't have them all. There's stuff that I think I have because I've got the title, you know, I, and I've got a team. So I go, oh, I must be a leader now because I've got these people that are looking to me but the reality is we don't have it all. So when we don't have the things we need, you know, the skills needed, we probably have to do a little bit of work to get those skills. And I, I put it to you, I guess you're here because you're wanting to do that. You know, we all want to get better and we all can. And so therefore, I think we've got to uh, invest in learning. And I think that's obviously why we're here. So three types of skills that you need to be a leader. The first one is informational skills. You've actually got to be able to do admin, project management and planning. Which to be honest with you, it's really easy to go, oh, I don't do admin. But it doesn't matter whether you don't do it or not. If you're going to lead something, you're going to need to learn how to plan. You're going to need to learn how to project manage and you're going to need to know what admin at least needs doing in order to even facilitate it getting done. Second thing that you need is interpersonal skills. You need to be able, like we said about Barack Obama, you need to be able to communicate, have conversations, build relationships and have some degree of emotional intelligence. And thirdly, you need ideation skills, strategies and solutions. You need to actually be able to find and see those things. So if you know that you're weak in one of those areas, then you need to actually get some help and some coaching to help you improve. Find somebody who is better than you and ask them to help you. And I think the main thing here is to acknowledge that we don't have them all. 
you know, to, to perhaps acknowledge that we're a little weaker in some areas than, than others. And I think in our world, you know, Cass is strong in some of the things I'm weak in and I'm weak in some of the things she's really strong in. And so that works well, you know. But in that, there's this um, process of, of working yourself out and being okay with, with where you are sort of acknowledging it and then calling on the help that's needed, vice versa, you know, for me or Cass, whichever way. But, but there's a process of getting in sync with each other. And I think this whole thing of having a community and having um, a team that we're working with is really important when it comes to this area because you will know that there's people in your team that are strong admin people. There's people who have skills that you don't have in coordinating things or in, in thinking or whatever, project management. It's time to call on them until you can develop the stuff. But bottom line, if we're going to be leading people, we probably need a degree of all of them. And we can't put our head in the sand to say, yeah, I'll just leave that stuff to other people. Because sometimes planning or whatever it is, interpersonal skills, it's, it's going to be up to you. But the beauty of that one is like the first one, who are you? There's stuff that's innate to you. These can all be learned. Actually, skills that you can learn and can grow in and should be growing in. Okay, next one, number five. Yes. Okay, this is my favourite question of all of them because it says, what can you imagine? I think imagination, and I love that Bobby talked about it this morning. I didn't know she was going to, and I wrote to her during the day to say, yesterday we had a team day with our Australia and our global team, and we talked about the difference between visionary leaders and imaginary leaders. And I went, I feel like imagination is one of the greatest tools in a leader's arsenal. Like it's actually something that is powerful for all of us because it shows that you are able to think about what a vision looks like. You can imagine what the future looks like. You can imagine roles for your people. You can dream about the best case scenario and begin to articulate what that looks like. So in the Bible, the story where you see it is Nebuchadnezzar. He's got a dream. And he wants everybody to tell him what the dream is, but nobody can tell him. And Daniel goes, what you're asking Nebuchadnezzar is impossible. But with God, everything's possible. He goes to prayer with his friends and his community and they get a revelation about what this dream looks like and come back and put language and vision around that dream. And I would say in our world, Pastor Brian, he's got this great vision, the Church I See document. And it's beautiful. It tells us everything that we are meant to do as a church. It says that we're gonna be large, influential, we're gonna do this, our songs are gonna be this, our, we're gonna have a TV channel. We're gonna, like there's all this vision, once in a generation type leaders. But it doesn't tell me what that actually looks like. So as leaders, we have to go away and actually imagine if this was to play out, what's it gonna look like? What's it gonna look like for me, but what's it gonna look like for the people that I lead? How do the people actually buy into this? Where do we see them fitting? What does this create? What does the future look like? Therefore, we actually have the opportunity to do five things when it comes to this. We create space to imagine. So as leaders, you're gonna have to create somewhere where you can actually imagine. Now, for me, that somewhere often doesn't look like a physical location, but it looks like notes on my iPhone. So I've got imagination notes. I've got Pinterest boards in abundance that actually have all sorts of ideas up there. I've got books and sketchbooks and pieces of paper everywhere where I just keep writing down what I can see and how Hillsong Church looks better and brighter in the future because of the moments that I take to dream about who we will become. I have to make sure what I'm imagining actually matters. So the truth is, as leaders, often you want your own opportunity more than you want opportunity for the people that you lead. 
You want the platform, you want the recognition, you want the accolade, you want the esteem, you want all that stuff. But the truth is, Jesus talks about servant leadership. And He talks about leadership that always prefers others over yourself. And so I would say the greatest leaders are the ones that are actually looking for how they can champion other people, how they can find fits for them, how they can put them into the right place. My greatest delight is standing on the front row watching new kids on the platform going, check out how good they're doing. I actually thought that that kid at 13 was gonna be a great worship leader and now he is one of our finest. And there's nothing like watching people find their sweet spot, get into the groove and actually become contributors to a community. It is the greatest joy. And like, as you start, imagine at one point in time, Tyler Douglas, who is Jonathan's brother, JD's brother, he was never leading, just this little kid in youth. And we needed youth worship leaders, we didn't have them. And I said to Laura, look, I don't know if he's that good a singer. I don't know if he can actually do all that much. But he comes from a great family. He's passionate, he loves God. And even if we have to turn his mic off for a while, he's gonna be so great on the platform. And the truth is, with a little bit of belief and imagination, that kid actually took singing lessons, got involved, has become one of the finest pastors. And not only that, but he is pulling people through like you wouldn't believe because he goes all the time, somebody made a way for me and imagined a future. I'm imagining for them. I love watching him at work because it's like the sweetest of all things. Okay, so then you have to inspire action. Like what do you imagine? And how are you gonna change your current reality to get there? And change is hard. It's not comfortable, it's not easy. But if you're gonna imagine a better future, then you're gonna have to make some changes to get there. So as leaders, you're gonna have to inspire that action, speak in a way that helps people to actually see where we wanna go. Bobby said today, I always come into the office and go, hey, imagine. And I do, Brian hates it. Tell what he said. He turned around and he goes, as soon as you walk into my office saying imagine, I don't want to imagine anything. <laughs> Perfect. I'm like, unreal. So it's working well for us, right? <laughs> but, but I feel like that language actually helps people to see what I see. So I'm like, guys, imagine, like when we were doing this, guys, imagine on the first night of conference, everybody walks out. It's cold. It wasn't. It's cold. There's fire pits all the way between the chapel and CC. It's going to be incredible. Like there's lights everywhere and somebody is leading the most incredible worship with no lights, no sound, no anything. And it feels like Jesus walks amongst us. And they're like, oh, we can't do that outside. Can we go? It's going to be unbelievable. Well, last night, a couple of guys came and they went, hey, this is better than we could have imagined. And I love that because the words let them do that. Then you have to lead the way, which is communicating what you see. And then finally, and I love this one, it's throw down the dare. So actually put the challenge out there to our teams that if they can imagine with you, if they can jump on board, then it's worth everything to build the kingdom. It's worth everything to actually get inside what God sees for His church and His people, it's worth giving your life for. Keller says this, he says, prayer plunges us deep into the imagination of God. And so I think prayerful imagination is probably the best kind of imagination we can bring to leadership. Yeah, it's awesome. We'll go quick through these last couple. The um, next one is, where do you live? Have you created or accepted the culture? While you're thinking about that for our people at home, uh, online delegates. The handout is available online for you guys too. So if you wanna grab that, download it, print it out. 
it's available for you. Where do you live? When it comes to culture, I guess in the church these days, we talk a lot about culture. Creating the culture that you, that you imagine is actually really hard because there's, there's already a, sort of a pervasive culture. There's something going on whether we like it or not. And I think when you start a ministry, like in San Francisco, that's only two years old for Hillsong Church, you know, you get the opportunity to shape it. And it's almost easier from the start because you get to say what we do and we don't do and how we do it all and all, and, and you get to set the boundaries. But when you've been in churches for a while, the reality is there'll, there'll be some things that perhaps aren't really what you want. And um, I think if we take this last thing that Cass was talking about, this imagination, and if we can be inspiring in our storytelling, in our communication, then, then we can start to shape the culture rather than just accept the culture. And I think as leaders though, some of us will probably shy away from wanting to change things. Um, some of us will not be as good at battling with things. We're gonna talk about how do you react in the next one, but um, the reality is, bottom line, it's our job it's your job as the leader to set the culture. And so if there's things that are going on in your team that aren't acceptable to what it is that you feel God has put on your heart to do or to be, then you have to actually address it, which doesn't necessarily mean sitting the person down and telling them they're out of line. It means coming alongside and reminding them of who we are. In our family, we have statements like, in our family, we don't do that. In our family, we do do that. I can't believe you're doing that. That's not what we do. And it's the same in our team. You know, we're a pretty positive team. If someone came into the culture and started like tearing someone else down, or if, for example, the, the production people started being really negative to the platform people, or the platform people were like, we are it and a bit, so you guys just serve us. That's not acceptable. People know that. And, and so because we've set some do's and don'ts, some ground rules, um, now the culture is a little bit established and it has some momentum on its own and, and people self-correct. Yeah. But it's our job to be able to set those boundaries. My finest is on Sunday morning when call time is like at 5am. If anybody turns up late, you don't have to say anything because the whole team is literally like, man, why would you do that? Like, we've all been here since 5am. We came ready, we came organised. Like, they'll pick each other up because we don't do this as a family. Like, this is not who we are. And so I feel like if you establish a culture and you continue to talk about what we do and don't do, who we are and who we aren't, people quickly buy in and help to actually regulate and monitor that with you. Yeah, real quick. Um, how do you develop a culture? You develop an intentional culture, as in you choose to develop a culture. Because if you don't, something will foster that you potentially don't want. Yeah. So if you're just sit back, whatever happens, happens, you will find yourself frustrated with where you end up. And like, yes, like I said, it's really hard to correct down the track. And, and then you have to decide roles and goals. Who's doing what? And what does it mean to win at that role? Um, you establish do's and don'ts. We don't do that. We do do this. Hey, why are you doing that? We don't do that language around that. You encourage a we, not a me environment. Hey, we are going this way, not I'm going that way. You know, people can so easily have a preference for something. Reality is, have all the preferences you want, but we're going that way. 
Pastor Brian is, is the best, I think, at doing this. He sets the vision and he says, we're going this way. He inspires us to, to see the meaning in that. And then we jump on board and we go, it's worth me laying down my preference because look where we're going. It's an inspiring thing, not, not a, a legal, rulesy thing. And then um, the we, not me. And then we set um, and we don't accept the standards. So we set, if, we, if excellence is your standard, then set that and communicate what that is and why it's important and then actually go after it. Don't accept uh, quality less than whatever you're thinking is acceptable. Which means if you've done that, then number seven matters to you more than you can imagine. Because the question is, how do you react? And that's actually a question about how do you deal with conflict? Because there will always be conflict in team and in leadership. I, I guess we've... We looked at this, there's really five ways that people respond to it, as Cass said. People either hide or ignore it. And, and you will know which one of these you are. I know which one I am. If you ignore it, then you let, let the problem fester like a splinter in your finger and it just gets worse and worse. You give in might be the second one. And if you give in to others all the time, you're not leading, they're leading. So someone, someone confronts you about something and you let them just do it, then maybe you've given up your leadership position. Number three, you collaborate. And I think this is where we'd ideally wanna be. If we've created a culture that's, that's healthy, it's we, not me, then people will want to work with you. They'll bring to you their issue, their problem, their, their criticism, whatever it is, and hopefully you're about to work it out together with them to come up with a common solution. So it's not me winning, it's not you winning, it's us winning. Which means you actually have to be pretty humble as a leader. Like you have to be humble enough to admit that sometimes we're wrong. And I think in churches we find it really hard because we want to dig our heels in and, and go, it's my way or the highway. And I think people are worth investing in and fighting for. And it's worth saying, hey, if we've got a problem that we can solve here, let's try to work out how can we both approach this in a way that helps us. Excellent. And then there's two others which is bargaining. People will always come with something and go, some people will, and go, hey, I'll give you this. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that rusted position for you if you do this. You don't want to be in the position where you're bargaining, not for the Kingdom of God. Like, it's too, it's too valuable. So we say as a team, I would often, I would rather play without an instrument than have an instrument position where the person's holding it over us. And so if there are moral issues, there's challenges, there's bad attitudes, there's stuff, let's just not have that position and we'll just find a way around it. We'll have violins instead of keys. We'll have a beatbox instead of drums. Like I actually think it's not worth finding yourselves in those sort of positions in a team. And then the last one is fight, which you don't want to go there. <laughs> if someone's willing to fight, gosh, we're in trouble at that point. Anyways, you know what that's like. When people fight, the strongest will win and there's always losers. So here's the deal. This is homework and this is hard work. But if you wanna be better leaders, if you wanna reboot your leadership, then our challenge to you would be to take those seven questions, go home. Ask some people who you believe in and who believe in you to help you to answer them. Write stuff down in your journal, pray about it and determine by this time next year, you're gonna be a better leader because you've actually taken some time to assess you, your team and the people around you. And you're gonna put stuff into practice and we're gonna have healthy churches, healthy creative teams and healthy leaders across the Kingdom of God. I hope you enjoyed that session from our Worship and Creative Conference. Cass and I had a lot of fun presenting it. The thing about it is that 
I found that in the planning for that session uh, to be really applicable to my own life and my own leadership and taking the time to really answer those questions that we proposed in, in the session, answering them for myself and for my leadership honestly, it showed me where I need to change, where I need to improve, where I need to get some help and where I need to learn and move forward. And um, and so I pray that it does the same for you. And because it's January 1, I know it might be sort of kind of strange to pray over a podcast, but I really wanted to pray for you guys, our subscribers, pray for your leadership, pray for your faith, for your creativity, and really set the, set the year up well as we all go into another year of, you know, exploring our creativity and our faith and trying to be faithful to God's call. So let me just pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for our subscribers. Lord, I thank you for the people that listen to the podcast every week and those who've just joined us even, even for this episode. And God, I just pray that as we all try to live out the call that you have on our lives, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help us, empower us and give us wisdom in how to to lead and be effective in our creativity. I pray that you would empower us to to have uh, wisdom in how to lead uh, our teams well, to know where we need to change, to know where we need to push forward. Help us to be able to take the time to assess ourselves and move forward. And God, I pray that you'll bless each one as we move into 2020, that we'll be faithful to you and that we would see you move in and through our lives as we do our best to serve and honour you. So I bless them, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. And so I, um, I can't wait for 2020. It's going to be a great year. I know that we're going to have an adventure together. And so if you're not subscribed yet, I'd encourage you to do that. Jump on the journey with us so that you can get the podcast. Actually, every two weeks now, we're moving to a two-week rotation. So every Monday, uh, Sydney time, we launch the podcast. And um, instead of doing like seasons, we're going to just roll on through the year every second week, just trying something new. And we'll have little mini series where we focus on different things throughout the year. But I, I don't encourage you to subscribe and just be on the journey with us. I love to hear your feedback and it's always great to hear from people who are on this journey with us. So uh, let us know if you're listening and I'm looking forward to this year and all that it brings. So all the best and we'll talk to you soon.
Oh, oh, oh. 